All right. It's good to see everyone on our final Sunday in Plano, Texas. It's kind of, uh, for some of y'all, it's a little uh, unusual if it's uh, your first time here uh, or if it's your first time here in a while or uh, for some of us that have been coming and still doesn't seem real. So just to reset for everyone here, this is an unusual Sunday and it's a little scaled back and it may feel a little different because uh, this is our final Sunday in Plano. We are making a move to Wiley, Texas, and uh, we're going to be about 15 minutes down the road in Wiley. So hopefully if you are a Planoite, you will still uh, call this place home and make the move with us. But uh, because we're moving, we've had to really prepare ourselves uh, for this move, and we have a lot of expectations God is going to do some great things. And so these uh, past two Sundays are, have been quite different. And so today, if it's your first time here or if uh, you're, you've just started coming in the last month or so, uh, it's a different vibe, um, and we're t- I'm talking to you, to, to all of us, as if we're family or part of the family. And so it's a little different than... Uh, than if you were to come to just a regular church experience where, uh, you know, we're, we're talking to a lot of, I'm, I'm really focused this week on uh, those of you that uh, feel called to make this move with us and are intrigued. And so I, so I just say that because if you're new, you're invited into the family today. You're invited to, to really check out and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of what God is about to do because I do believe God is about to do uh, some really exciting things in this church now, before I get into my message today, um, I do want to say two things. We're going to close this. Uh, there are two things special about this uh, day, and that is we're ending this by breaking into teams because we really want to be ready when we get to Plano. We're going to be in, a, in Cooper Junior High. We're going to be portable. Most of y'all know this. And so because of this, uh, church is going to feel different. We've all got to be on the same page. We're all going to be making this thing happen. It's not come in, turn on the lights in a building. We've got to set up. We've got to get ready. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, but the exciting thing also is that there's a lot more opportunities to, for leaders and for God to shine through us. And so uh, we're ending this by we'll break into teams. And so there are three different teams we're breaking into. We're breaking into setup teams. We're the setup and band. We're breaking into the kids. If you're serving in the kids. Um, and then we're also the greeting team, uh, and so you'll you'll see that. But if you're new here, um, I just want to invite you to to pick a team and listen in. You don't you're not committing yourself uh, to to hey you're in for life if you uh, go to one of these team breakouts. But you are going to kind of hear some of the heart of our church if you stay uh, in this team uh, breakout. And you're going to hear like if you go to the kids, you're going to hear our hearts for the kids. If you go to the setup, you're going to hear our heart for why we. Uh, Oh, you know, what we want to see in our setup. I think the setup team gets to see some of the cards today. And then uh, I think that's true. And then the greeting team, you're going to get to hear our heart for new, uh, for new faces we're going to meet. Uh, and, what, and so that's where we're going. I also want to um, give you an invitation. If you've been around a while, and this has been a very fast transition, uh, it's really in the last two months we've uh, found out this switch, we've made this switch. And so I'm going to do something uh, a little different for me. After I get done with the sermon and we break into teams, I'm going to stay in here, and I'm just going to be available. And during this transition, if you have uh, been frustrated by something, or if you have questions about something, or if 
uh, if your feelings are hurt, and I know you wouldn't say it that way, we're big boys and girls in here, but if there's something you'd like to just talk through, um, I really want, you know, we've had to make decisions quick, and in some decisions we haven't been able to fully explain to everybody why we're making the decisions we're making, and so I just want you to know if you really want to talk with me, or if you want to have your voice uh, heard and have that opportunity, I am going to be available. I'm not going to be teaching any of the teams, but uh, it's important to me that you know, uh, hey, we're a family here, and, uh, and, and I care that uh, if, if we've done something that's been inconsiderate or that you don't understand, I want you to know uh, it does matter to me, and it does matter to us as leaders, and so uh, I'll be available for you to at least talk about, and I might not solve your problems, but at least I want you to be able to ask questions, and, and if you need to dig deeper, I'll be available. Hopefully, you'll go to your teams, and we don't have that, but I want to make sure you know uh, I am going to be available for that. So we've been going through, uh, as we prepare for this, we've been going through what I think is one of the most exciting uh, opportunities for our church, and that is anytime there's a big uh, upset of the apple cart, so to speak, and you have to kind of put, uh, you have just an opportunity to change a lot of things. So over the past few months and even years, God has put some things on my heart that have really said, you know, Joel, as we make this transition, there's opportunities here for us to, to, to really take a step forward towards the church I'm calling you to be. And so we've uh, been going through these four priorities for the last four weeks. And if you look on the bottom of these, the bottom of these is really what many people think of when they think of church. Now, maybe not you, but when people that don't go to church or that are far from God think about what church is really about, a lot of them think, you know, it's just religion. It's just going through the motions, doing these things. It's artificial. Everyone there that, that is fake, everyone is just going through the motions as well. Um, it's all about getting, you know, the pastor wants his jet, whatever it is, and it's, it, that's, what it, you know, that's what it's about. Uh, and it's just routine. It's just people, people go routine. And so one of the things that we've decided is that every single week we want to prioritize, rather than being a church that is what the world expects, what everyone expects, we want to make very clear on what we're about. And we've, we're going to prioritize certain things over what the normal expectation is. So today I want to talk to you about the final one. We want to be a church that prioritizes remarkable over routine. Now, when I think about, uh, I've got something I want to show you. I want to think about the word remarkable. It's a very interesting word. Now, this is a piece of pottery that, uh, that I found. Uh, actually, I didn't find it. Uh, I was walking. We were in Israel. We were on Mount Abal, which is a place in the Old Testament. And I was walking with our guide, and he's an ar uh, archaeologist. And as we're walking on Mount Ebal, uh, he bends down, picks this up, and he hands it to me. And he just says, hey, here's a piece of pottery. So I was like, oh, cool, a piece of pottery from, you know, Mount Ebal, which uh, in Deuteronomy 18, the entire nation of Israel, Moses gives a speech on Mount Ebal. And so I put this in my pocket. I'm walking, and he's like, that's pretty cool. And I, I actually have several other pottery uh, shards. These are very common. There are millions of these. This is not worth uh, much to anyone. But later on, a couple of days after that, he comes back to me and says, you still have that pottery shard? And I was like, yes, you know, I got it out. And he said, you realize that if I had to guess, I almost threw it and broke it, dude. That's what, that's what you get with me, right? That would have been what we expected. Um, 
the, the interesting thing, he said, you realize that this pottery shard, the, the person who owned this piece of pottery probably heard Moses give that speech in Deuteronomy 18 with his own ears. And that when the person who owned this piece of pottery and touched this piece of pottery most likely had talked with Moses and Joshua, could have been in the battle of Jericho that would follow. You realize that this piece of pottery is pretty remarkable. Now, he didn't say that, but as I thought about it, I was like, man, that I would never talk about a piece of pottery, but it's remarkable. It's worth talking about. And so when I say the word remarkable today, that's what I want you to think about. Is it worth talking about? Have you ever had an experience with maybe a customer service, maybe you went to Disneyland, I don't know, and, and you had a, a remarkable experience in, in an opportunity that would have just been routine, something you've done many times before, but for some reason that experience was remarkable. Now, this has happened several times to me. Uh, I was talking with my wife about, you know, what are your remarkable experiences, and she said, you know, I remember one day when I was having a hard day in the fourth grade, and she said, my teacher saw I was having a hard day, asked me to stay after school, and she started talking about how this teacher just started pouring into her. And just on that one day, routine, just like every other day, except for that day, that teacher saw her hurting and decided, I'm going to pull her. And she said, that was my, that's by far my favorite teacher, and that day was the most uh, memorable day I had in all my schooling. And I thought, man, that's pretty remarkable. It was a routine day, and somebody decided I'm going to make that remarkable. We also had an, an experience. We were going through our, our um, parent-teacher conferences, which are routine. If you've got kids, every year you got to you go meet with a teacher, and usually it's the same thing. Oh, they're good in this. They're you know they struggle in that. Oh, they're unique. You got you know he's a ball of you know energy or whatever it is. You get all of that. And usually they 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 nuance the words, right? Well, we had a teacher that when Oliver was in kindergarten who decided not to nuance the words. She, the first thing she said is, Oliver lives outside of the box. That's what she said to us. And she just started, and he does. And she started giving example, example about how, like they had a gingerbread houses and it came with instructions and all the kids had made the gingerbread houses, how they told. And not Oliver, he had made gingerbread swords, gingerbread armies, gingerbread everything. And there was no houses to be made, but there was a battle about to be won. And she said, I think he's so unique. I think that uh, he looks at everything with eyes that, that he sees things other people don't see. And he began, she just began to encourage my, my wife, who at some points was like, man, Oliver does not follow directions. He does not. And instead, that she took what was a routine opportunity and made it remarkable. And so I want to just, for a second, I want you to think about, have you ever had a Maybe you went to a restaurant. You had a, just an experience that was remarkable. Now, for me, the most remarkable experience I've ever had occurred when we were starting this church. And by the way, since this is the last Sunday, I'm doing Dr. Pepper, not water for you guys, so I should be a little amped up. Um, about 10 years ago, we were starting this church, and... I decided we didn't have a lot of people. In fact, I, we, I mean, we had a handful of people. So I went and I started visiting some churches. And I, I flew with another church member to a conference that was being put on by the fastest growing church at the time. And this church actually met in a school. It was three years old. 
and it already, at the time we went, had, I think, over 3,000 people and had multiple campuses just within uh, three years. And so we went to this church, and they were having this conference that was going to be from Tuesday to Thursday. So it was a three-day conference. And the first thing I got there when I, when I went through the conference, and I've been to a lot of church conferences. That's not unusual for a pastor to go to church conferences. I just began to notice there are a lot of volunteers at this conference, which was downtown. It was not where the, where the church actually meets. Uh, and this, uh, it was in Charlotte. And so it was way far away from where the church usually meets. And I just noticed there's about 120, maybe 150 volunteers and so it was just unusual to see this many volunteers at a church conference. And so we went through the conference. It was a routine conference. It was good, but I don't remember one thing that the, the guy actually said. But as we were leaving, uh, there was a, it was just me and one other guy. And we're, we're walking out, and he says to me, that my, my, my friend that had, had uh, come with me, he says, hey, I want to take you out to, to a good lunch before we head on to the airport. I want to take you to Ruth Chris. And so I was like, all right, hey, I'm in. So he said, let's go have steaks. Let's go have a good, nice meal. And then, uh, and then we'll go. And so he, you know, didn't have Google on our phones at that time. Uh, and so we decided, okay, let's do that. And so as we're leaving, a guy with a volunteer from the conference said, hey guys, just want to say thank you guys for coming to the conference. It's a it's been a really um, important um, to us that you that you have a great experience. And so I was like, hey, you know, it was great. He says, what are you guys off to? We're going to Dallas. Hey, that's it's great. You're going to eat. What do you got? Y'all need anything? Assistance? You need any help to the airport? Uh, we're actually going to go uh, go fine dining. We're going to Ruth Chris before we leave. He goes, hey, that's great. That's a great restaurant. Um, that's very good. I'm just so glad you're here. And so he said, do y'all have any questions or anything like that? And he gave us, he actually gave us his card. It was, it was just a church card, but he had written his name on it. He said, if y'all have ever have any questions or anything we can do to help you, here you go. And so he gave me this volunteer who, you know, didn't work for the church, just gave me the card. And I said, hey, I want to ask you one question. Uh, how, you know, do you take off a week of work for this? I was just curious at what a volunteer would do. And he said, yeah, I took off, uh, we actually took off four days and we spent all Monday training so that we would be prepared as volunteers for the pastors that were coming into this conference. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, so, you know, we're just excited that you're here. We're glad you showed up. And I said, well, what made it worth it to you to take a week vacation to do this? And he said, uh, you know, there was a guy that died for me, and he's worth it. And that's, that's all he said to me. And I was like, oh, that's one way to put it. So we go off, we, and Ruth Chris is down the street. We walk out, and we have to decide, are we going to take a ta taxi? Are we going to walk? It was only about a quarter mile, half mile, but we decided to take a taxi because didn't know how long it would be. Again, Google wasn't there to tell us at the time. We get in the taxi, we drive literally straight, get out of the car, we walk into Ruth Chris and put our name on the list, and he says, oh, Joel and Josh, we've been waiting on you. We've got your table over here. I'm like, that is weird. And then we go to our table, and there's a bag sitting at our table, and it's a bag. We open it up. It's a worship CD and a DVD from the the, the speaker that we just left, okay? And this is a half mile down the road. Literally took us maybe 10 minutes. And then inside is a note from the guy we had talked to 10 minutes before that. And he said, hey, it was nice to meet you. Have a safe trip back to Dallas. Just wanted to give you this gift. 
And I spent the last 10 years trying to figure out how he's pulled this off. Okay? And I've got theories, okay? Either he, he had, he, they got to every single restaurant and they just had all these gift bags and then they said, hey, somebody write this real quick. Either he was an Olympic sprinter and he got where he was going to go, but, uh, but it was remarkable to me. In fact, I'm still talking about it. If you talk, I talk about it now. And, and if you were to ask why you do it, that's because he was worth it. Why would he could have given me that bag as I was leaving the conference? And it would have been normal. I would have been thankful that, hey, this is pretty cool. They gave us a gift bag as we leave. But the way that, that just knowing the links that had to be prepared made me think, man, there's something remarkable about it. It was just it, my whole experience was different. And so when we think about church, coming to church, especially those of us that have maybe been going to a church or you've, you at one point were going to a church over and over again, We've all had that experience where it becomes routine, where it's just, hey, this is what I do. I go to church. I get up, go to church. Maybe you serve, and I, I know no one in this would admit to it, but there's those moments where you're like, oh, I got to serve in the kids today. Oh, man, I got to be, I got to greet, I got to serve today. Oh, man, I, are we going to go to church? Yeah, all right, we'll go to church. And it's just routine, and you go, and, and you don't talk about it, you don't think about it, and you certainly don't expect much about it, but... At this one moment, this guy decides to make what is routine remarkable. And what's, it's not what he did, it's why he did it that I want to really capture today. Because he told me, he is worth it. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. And I want to show you the power of remarkable. In Luke chapter four, uh, uh, 24... The disciples have just met, uh, some of the disciples have just met the risen Christ. And so they're walking on this road. There are a few of them walking on the road. To, there's uh, at least a f- two or three people have seen the risen Christ at this point, but most of the disciples have not. In verse 36, it says this, as they were talking about these things, and what they're talking about is they're talking about the fact that There's a rumor going around that a couple of the disciples, that some of the people that knew Jesus, saw the risen Christ. Now, they had seen him crucified. They had seen him dead, and they knew he had been put in a tomb. But now, there's this rumor that some of them were walking around with him. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do, you, why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it, I, it is I myself. Touch me and see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now the next verse that is said there, I actually read this verse a lot of times, and it still kind of just sounds weird the way they say it, but uh, it's interesting. It says, and while they still disbelieved, for joy and were marveling, he said to them. Now, that's just a weird way to phrase it. He said to them, hey, you got anything to eat? That's, I mean, Jesus is just like, hey, you got anything to eat? But, but they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. They still disbelieved, but yet they're also getting this kind of antsy, like, I can't believe this. He's here. He's right 
there. It's the deep fake before deep fakes, right? They just can't believe there's no way he's actually here. There's no way that, that Jesus is standing here. And they get this sense of joy, even though they don't believe it's really him. Oh, man, I don't know what this means. And they're marveling at this. What is going on? They're talking. And Jesus is like, hey, let's eat. And Jesus starts eating. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. And they are looking at him, saying, I can't believe it's Jesus. It really looks like him. He's got the scars. He's, it looks like him. But they still disbelieve at this. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, that would be the first five books of the Hebrew Old Testament, and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so he says, listen, I've already told you this. I have told you this, that everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Hebrew scriptures was about me. And this is important to note because this is not the first time these disciples have heard this. This is routine to them. This is at least the fourth time. We have three other times where Luke records, Jesus sat down and began to explain to them everything about what, hap what must happen according to the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. So he's had this exact same discussion at least three times before. Probably this is the umpteenth time. Probably they had had dinner with Jesus before and Jesus would say, just want to remind you guys that everything in the Bible is about me. And all of them would probably be like, oh, here we go again. I'm trying to eat my broiled fish, and Jesus is going to tell me more about how it's all about him. Okay? They probably heard this before. If Luke records it three times, it was probably routine. But it, fourth time, that's getting on routine anyway. They hear this thing. It's all, Jesus says, listen, everything in the scripture God is doing, it's about me. And then it says this one thing. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written. This is nothing new, by the way. He has said this to them before. It is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. They've heard it before. But this time, he's opening their minds. And the only difference is this. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending a promise of the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. It's amazing when you look at the book of Acts and what happens to the disciples after. Now understand, a few days before this, they had the opportunity to proclaim Jesus, the risen Christ, only they scattered. They denied him because it was routine. They had heard that he was, they, 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 they should have, if they just were going by his words, they would have said, of course he's going to die. He told us he's going to die on the cross on the third day. He said this, he said it a lot. He said it umpteen times. It was routine dinner conversation. But we are witnesses now. We've seen the risen Christ. And then he says, and remember, you've not just seen the risen Christ now. Remember the promises I made. I made promises that you're going to live forever, that you were going to have eternal life. I'm giving that to you too. And then he says you're going to be clothed on power, whatever that means. You're going to go through this life with a supernatural power of God. And all of a sudden their eyes are opened. Of You know what? He means it. The power of eternal life is real. My life is, is not going to, to die with me in this life. It's going to go on forever. And I'm a witness to the risen Christ. 
It's remarkable. A few uh, months later, they're going to be taken, the, some of the disciples are going to be taken before the magistrates. In Acts chapter 4, you can read this. It's fascinating. They, they, the magistrates look at Peter and John, and they say they, they're ordinary, unschooled men. Some, some translations say they're ignoramuses. And, and then it says this note, and if you, it's one of my favorite verses. They noted that he, they had been with Jesus. The only thing unique about these guys is that they had seen the risen Christ. That's what was remarkable about them. And so these guys would proclaim, they were proclaimed, uh, proclaiming Jesus in the courtyard. They were thrown in jail. They, um, they, they escaped jail. And you know what the first thing they did was? They went back and started proclaiming. Why would they do that? Because it's very clear. They had seen the risen Christ and they knew that he was to be proclaimed in all the nations that the Christ will suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. In other words, they had received this promise about God and now they were going to spend their lives telling people about this remarkable thing that happened. Jesus died on a cross, rose from the dead, and because he did it, not only are their sins forgiven, your sins can be forgiven. It is quite a remarkable thing. So as I begin to think about where we're going as a church, I'll be the first to admit there are some Sundays that may seem, ah, it's just Sundays, we go to church on Sundays, it may seem routine. As I begin to pray about what the next season of this church could look at, the number one thing I thought, is you know what, what would it be like if we never committed this sin, this horrible theological error of making something so uncommon, common? Walking around as if, hey, you know what, yeah, my sins are forgiven, I'm going to live for eternity, I got that going for me, you know, so that's nice, you know, but other than that, because think about this. If, if this had happened in my generation, in other words, if my story was I was thrown in jail, I had committed a heinous act, and I was thrown in prison, put on death row, and before they came to get me, if my dad had somehow paid off the judge, made, a, made some negotiation where on, on the day I'm supposed to be executed, my, they come in and they say, hey, you're free. Your dad made arrangements, and then I find out that my dad is going to be executed in my place. Every time I met you or you met me, if, if, we, if you were at a party or wherever we meet, somebody says, hey, I want to introduce you to Joel. I'd say, hey, my name is Joel. Let me tell you something. I shouldn't be here right now. You know what? I deserve to be locked away. I deserve, I have committed a horrible crime, but I'm here because my father, loved me so much, he switched places with me. And so before you know anything about me or whatever we're going to do, I just want to set the record straight. Hey, I'm here because of my dad, and I just want to let you know that. And by the way, every Saturday we have a barbecue. We get together, and we just talk about dad. We talk about how great he is because I'm never going to let that moment where my life today is here. I am here because of this thing he did. It was, I'm never going to let that be ordinary. You know, we've got an even better message than that. What's, what's amazing is 
I can turn around and say to you, hey, and by the way, if you ever commit anything that gets you thrown in jail, if your life is ever on the line, I know somebody who will exchange his life for you. Hey, if you want to come check it out on Sundays anytime, that's fine. You know, we just sing some songs. That's all we do. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is a horrible mistake to live life as if our faith is common, as if this church experience is routine. And so the question that I want us to, to think about as we move forward is, what would it look like for this church to be remarkable? What would it take for every Sunday when the greeting, the greeting team, for the greeting team to, to look remarkable, to where when somebody comes in, they say, may say like I did at this conference, I don't, I don't remember what word the preacher said, but man, I remember it was remarkable the way they, they met me at the door, the way they did this or that. And you know what? When I ask them, why do you do this? All they said is, he is worth it. When I, I, I took my kids to the kids' ministry, and these, these people were watching my kids, but they didn't just take my kids and say, hey, you know, kids, come here, do this, this. It was, it was remarkable the way they loved my kids and the way they loved me. It was just remarkable the way they received and the way they were ready for this. And I asked them, why, why do you work with kids? They just said, he is worth it. They said, I know a guy who died for me, and he is worth it. My vision of us going forward is we are a church that proclaims Jesus, not just from the pulpit, but that every single greeter, every single volunteer, every single kids worker, every single person pushing a button on a, on a computer or playing an instrument or whatever we're doing, it is remarkable. And it's not remarkable. We could make it remarkable one week if we just dropped cash from the ceilings. And y'all would talk about that for a little while, right? But we couldn't sustain it. But there's something about authentic remarkability, when people truly have said, and, and we've internalized it enough of, you know what? Somebody died for me, switched their life for me. I should never live a common day in my life. A remarkable day should be the norm for me. I should talk about that every single day. What would it look like? What would have to happen on a Sunday for you to go to, on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday and talk about it at school or at work? And say, you know what? I was just around these people and it was clear they had been with Jesus. He was worth it. So, when I think about my job as a pastor, the hardest part, without a doubt, is the biggest enemy we fight in, in church nowadays, and maybe even this way, the whole one, it's apathy. That's the number one thing we fight as a church. That's the number one thing you're fighting is that life is trying to make things common. Life is trying to say, hey, you got a lot of stuff going on. If you make church, it's, it, you know, it's just part of your routine. If you can do it, it's good for your kids. It's, if you can do it, you can make it. We have to make our church, the enemy of our church, apathy. I'm never going to come to church and serve in a kid's area or, or put on a front that this is normal. And so we, I've been praying through how, how can we do this? Because 
My fear is not that next week, I think uh, in the next few weeks as we make this transition, there's going to be excitement for us when we arrive at a new place and there's new faces and it's, it's going to be new. It'll be excitement. My question is, how do we make it remarkable six months from now, a year from now? How do we make it so that when you wake up and you know I'm going to serve in the kids area, when you get to the greeting team, that you think, you know what? I'm so excited about this day because there's somebody that doesn't know about what my dad did for me. There's somebody that, that hadn't felt that freedom of knowing. It doesn't matter what I do today. Or my dad loves me so much, he will pay the price for it. I'm going to live this day proclaiming forgiveness. What would it take for us to sustain that? Because let's be honest, it's, been, it's hard, even in a great church. I think this is a great church, but it's hard to keep it from being routine. And so we're making a tweak that I want to talk to you about is over the, that's going to begin next week. Now, if you've been around this church, or if you served in this church, you know we've had two services. We've had a volunteer service, and then we have our 1030 service. And if you're new, we only talk about the 1030 service. That's where we focus most of our energy. But we have a 9 o'clock service that we do just for the volunteers. And we do it uh, for the kids' volunteers uh, mainly so that they can have the experience of church. But as I prayed about this transition, I really began to look at are there what tweaks, what do we need to do? And, and one of the biggest things, changes we're going to make, and I think the one change that might change our church for the entire future, the biggest difference we might make is this one tweak, and that is instead of having our 9 o'clock service, we're going to have what we are calling, I'm not calling it a service, I'm calling it a pep rally, a volunteer pep rally. That's the name right now. It could change if I find, if y'all think of a better name. At 9.30, we're going to meet next Sunday. And from now on, at 9.30, when we're in Cooper Junior High, we're going to gather as volunteers at 9.30. So if you're serving, if you're a volunteer, we want you to think church starts at 9.30 when I'm serving, okay? Now, if you're on the setup team, it's way before that, okay? But if you are a greeter, or in the kids' ministry. Right now, it's, hey, you know, I know they have this 9 o'clock, it's optional. We really want to commit to this, and there's a reason for this, and, the, and I want to give you, I'm going to give you three reasons for it, and one, and then I'm going to talk to your objection, okay? The first reason is this. You are the most important part of this church. Now, I know beyond the Holy Spirit and Jesus, we understand that, okay? You are the most important part of this church, that you can reach people by the way that you, the way people interact with you, even more than my sermons, even more than the music. If people have a good experience, if you connect with people, if they see the love, you can make the biggest impact in this church. I believe that whether you're in the kids ministry, whether you're setting, whatever you're doing, our people are, our volunteers are the most important thing. And so focusing a whole service unique to your experience to me is important. The second thing about why I think this is important is uh, this is the practical reason. This is not really a reason, but I want to give some of you need this reason. Uh, to have our volunteer service, it's going to cost us about $250 an hour. And so if we have the volunteer service, it's about $250. Right now we get anywhere from four to 14 people on a Sunday usually for that volunteer. So it's $1,000 a month basically. And we made the decision, you know what, strategically, you know, financially, this would be a good... That's not really the reason, but some of you like that reason the most, so that's for you if you're an accountant or whatever. The real reason is, is simply this. I really believe what you do is too important in that if we were to 
take 30 minutes, and we're going to have, it's going to be just like our 1030 service, except for two different things. Instead of me preaching a sermon, I'm going to specifically talk to you as volunteers about why what you do is important, and I'm going to let you know what I'm going to um, challenge the 1030 service in the sermon to do. Those two tweaks, um, I'm going to, the sermon will be different. And then instead of dismissing and just going about routine as volunteers, we're going to get together in your team. And you're going to pray. And you're going to talk about what, make sure everybody's in the right place. And we're, as a team, going to get our, our minds and hearts spiritually prepared so that we can never make this just a common experience. And so uh, if you're like, well, what about the sermon? Okay, that might be, right now we live stream this. If you wanted to, you could be watching this right now on your phone as you sit here. You can leave this, you can get on YouTube, and you can watch the sermon as you drive home. I will send you a link. We're going to figure out how we can send a link to our volunteers to where when the sermon is actually uploaded and edited on Mondays or Tuesdays, you can have the link to the audio. You can listen to it on your way home. You can listen to it. And because of the technology, you're going to be able to get the sermon very, very clear, but my, the, the reason for the switch is simply this. I believe you're more important than me. I believe as great as I'm going to try to preach, that the sermon you preach can make a bigger impact. And so we're going to try this. And I think that I, I, I really want you as volunteers to commit to being here. If you're volunteering on a team, on especially the greeting team in the, in the uh, kids ministry, to be here at 930 now, the nuance to this is it's going to take some more volunteers to make the volunteer pep rally happen because we have kids. Some of you have kids. Some of you have a lot of kids. Some of you keep making kids, too. And so we've got to figure this out. There's a place uh, on the wall that says early child care, and there are right now, I think, four names it looks like. But I want to encourage you to sign up over there. And once we're hoping to get enough to where once a month you might, if we get more, it could be less than that to where you'll come in, somebody will come in at 9 o'clock, and for all of the kids that are 4 years old and under, we're going to have child care for. Now, if you have kids that are 5 years and older, all my kids are 5 years and older, they're going to come into the, serve, the pep rally, and they're going to be a part of it because there's going to be no sermon. I won't bore them to sleep or tears, but we'll have music. Your kids, they can sing music, and we'll gear it towards, uh, to, we'll make it concise, um, but enough to where your kids, if they're 5 years old, uh, they can, they can make it through. But I want to encourage you, in order to make this happen, some of us are going to have to make the decision, you know what, once a month I'll, I'll go in and I'll serve so that the volunteers can get filled up and, and we can keep this thing from becoming routine. We can keep this thing from becoming common. Because as I look back, if there's anything that I repent of more, it's making what is uncommon, common. And so... I'm going to dismiss, and I want to, first of all, just say thank you all for making this experience we've had in this building and, and getting us to this point, but God is about to do something fantastic, and he's already done it for us, but we're going to proclaim it in a new way, in a new place, and I'm so excited, and I, I'm so excited for where we're going because of where we've been and because of all of you that have made this possible. And so as we break into the groups, I just want you to hear my, my gratitude towards you and the anticipation of next week. This is not routine. This is going to be the most remarkable church we can possibly make it because he is worth it.
Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for, for this church. I thank you so much for giving us a message of hope and an experience of hope that makes it worth it. So Lord, I just pray that six months from now, when we look back, we don't think, man, I got to get up. Man, I got to go to church. Instead, we look forward to every Sunday knowing that we had the opportunity to not just tell people, but to show people you have changed our life. Lord, I pray that we will never let this church become ordinary. We will keep it extraordinary because you are extraordinary. Lord, we thank you so much for sending your son to die on a cross on our behalf. Let us never tire of proclaiming that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.